Welcome to the Friends of Israel Today. I'm Steve Conover, and with me is our host and teacher, Chris Katolka. Sometimes when things aren't going the way we want them to, we begin to wonder if God is there at all. We start to feel disconnected from the Lord. Today on the program, Chris will be sharing with us about the unique and unbreakable connection we have with God in Christ Jesus. Steve, I know that feeling of wondering if God is there and feeling disconnected from him. And when those moments arise, that's when we need to go to the scriptures to be reminded of God's faithfulness. And in 2 Peter 1, verses 3 through 5, the Apostle Peter not only shares about that unique and unbreakable connection we have with God in Christ, he enlightens us on how we can pursue and know Christ more intimately today. Have you ever tried to build furniture from a store like Ikea? If you have, then you probably know where I'm going with this. Ikea sells furniture that you have to construct yourself, and it makes it more economical for everyone. But the problem is this. There are millions of little pieces, and it takes forever with much trial and error to put something together. Now, I'm not macho enough to admit that I don't need an instruction manual. I definitely need an instruction manual. I could never imagine attempting to build the sofa bed that we bought from Ikea a few years ago without the instructions. If I would have built it without instructions, my sofa bed would have probably looked more like a piece of modern contemporary art that you see in museums. You know, everything's just a little uneven and in the wrong place. It just doesn't look normal. It's designed to make you think a little more. That that would be my sofa bed without instructions. The instruction manual is that unique connection between the engineer who designed and built the furniture for Ikea, and me, the one who bought it. If I want to build my sofa bed just right to make sure all the pieces fit together just the way they're supposed to, then I need to know how the creator and engineer built it. And I can only do that through the instruction manual. And in some ways, that instruction manual connects me to the mind of the engineer or at least it's supposed to. And that's why today we're going to be looking at a very interesting passage from 2 Peter chapter 1, a passage that reminds us that believers in the Lord Jesus have a unique connection unlike anything with our Creator, with our Father, with our God. 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 1 through 4 says this, from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have been granted a faith just as precious as ours. May grace and peace be lavished on you as you grow in the rich knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. I can pray this because his divine power has bestowed on us everything necessary for life and godliness through the rich knowledge of the one who called us by his own glory and excellence. Through these things, he has bestowed on us his precious and most magnificent promises, so that by means of what was promised, you may become partakers of the divine nature after escaping the worldly corruption that is produced by evil desire." Now, while our IKEA manual connects us with the engineer's mind to build whatever product you buy from them, the Apostle Peter is doing something 
just a little different, but within the same concept. He wants us to understand that we have a unique connection with God, not to build something, but to grow in the rich knowledge of both himself, God the Father, and Jesus Christ, his Son. Notice, you weren't saved from your sins by the grace of God through faith in Christ and then left on your own by yourself to figure out the Christian life. Instead, when you believed in Jesus instantaneously, you were indwelt with the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you, guiding you, convicting you, encouraging you, and giving you all the necessary tools to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. And Peter is saying, your Christian life isn't like a reality television show where you're dropped off in the middle of nowhere with nothing but the clothes on your back while cameras follow you around as you attempt to survive in the dangerous wilderness. Peter is saying, God's divine power has given us everything necessary every tool to live a life that is pleasing to God today. And I often hear Christians say, Lord, fill me up with your spirit. Lord, fill me up as if they were some leaky cup where the Lord keeps pouring into them and the spirit keeps leaking out of the bottom. The moment you become a believer in Christ, you couldn't be filled up anymore. The issue isn't whether or not you're filled up. The issue is whether or not you're giving control to the Holy Spirit or control to the flesh. In John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17, Jesus says this about the Holy Spirit. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. Then I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot accept because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he resides with you and will be in you. Jesus calls the Holy Spirit an advocate, or some of your texts might say a helper. The Greek word there is paraclete. And think about this. In the Greco-Roman world, the word paraclete was sometimes used within the context of war or battle. Greek soldiers always went out in pairs so that if they ever found themselves in a precarious situation, they could cover each other's blindside. They could help each other, and and they would do this by putting their backs together so they had a 360-degree perspective of what they were dealing with. And the Holy Spirit is that and so much more. The Holy Spirit lives in us to show us the spiritual dimension of life, a dimension most of the world isn't thinking about at all. And remember, the Apostle Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against powers and world rulers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. You know, Paul understood that what we see isn't always the full picture, that there is another dimension that God has. It's a spiritual dimension. And the Holy Spirit allows us to not just see what's in front of us through our senses, but to understand that there's a world beyond us, a dimension beyond us of forces that are warring against us. The Apostle Peter goes on in 2 Peter 1.4, because of that unique and unbreakable connection that we have with God through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, all of the promises of God have been given to us 
And through these promises, we have become partakers of the divine nature. That's what Peter says in 2 Peter 1.4, that we become partakers of the divine nature. I want us to take this phrase into consideration for a moment. If you're a child of God, you have become a partaker of the divine nature. The phrase partaker of the divine nature is actually a Greek phrase that Peter borrows from paganism. But the best part is Peter redeems it by giving it a Christian meaning. The phrase in paganism carried the idea of a man becoming a god, transforming from human nature into divine nature. Peter, however, redeems the phrase to show that believers in Christ, not that we become gods when we believe, but that we have a special relationship with God that enables us to be called his sons and daughters. Peter uses the same word partakers in 1 Peter 5.1 when he says, uh, when he talks about sharing or partaking in the future glory that will be revealed at the second coming of Christ. We have this unique, unbreakable relationship with God now. It's not something we're waiting for. It's something available for us today. Why? So that we may escape the worldly corruption that is produced by evil desire. In the next segment of our program, we're going to talk about some of those virtues Peter is referring to when he talks about the godly life that we can live today, that we don't just have to wait for our resurrection to live a life that's pleasing to God, that even right now, the fact that we are partakers of the divine nature means that we get to have uh, live a lifestyle that's pleasing to God even now by the help of the Holy Spirit. But first, I want to say this. If you're a genuine believer, you can never lose the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. The Apostle Paul says, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. And the day of redemption is the coming of Jesus. You are sealed, which means you cannot undo your faith in Christ. But let me tell you, you might not be able to lose your faith, but you can certainly suppress the work of the Holy Spirit by not yielding control to his leading in your life. If you're listening right now and you feel as though you've been living a life in the flesh, I want to encourage you to stop and pray for forgiveness. God is faithful and just to forgive our sins if we confess them. And then I want you to notice what the Apostle Paul says leads to a godly life. He says a godly life comes through the rich knowledge of the one who called us. My friends, how do we grow in the knowledge of Christ Jesus? We read his word. You need to get in his word to know more about him. Listen, the same way we get into the mind of the engineer through the manual he wrote for us is the same way we get into the mind and heart of Christ by reading and studying his word. The more you engage with Christ through his word, the more you become like him which is just another way of giving control to the Holy Spirit. Chris, we can feel at times that looking at prophecy can produce an anxiety or even a fear of what's to come in the future. It's really easy to worry about the things outside of our control, but Second Peter is telling us something different, isn't it? Yeah, 
Peter's second epistle wasn't written to frighten and depress us, but instead it was written to give us a spirit of hope. In Elwood McQuaid's book, Second Peter, Standing Fast in the Last Days, Dr. McQuaid takes us on a journey through the book of Second Peter where we learn to identify and expose false teachers, their character methods, and the carnage they create. And you'll also learn why the Lord has tarried in his second coming and what eternity holds in this small but powerful book of the Bible. To learn more about Elwood McQuaid's book, Second Peter, Standing Fast in the Last Days, and other resources available from us, visit our website at foiradio.org. That's foiradio.org. Welcome back, everyone. And if you're just joining us, we've been venturing through the first few verses of 2 Peter chapter 1, this fascinating section of 2 Peter, where the apostle shares with us about the unique and unbreakable relationship we have with the creator of the universe through the ministry of Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit, that by putting our trust in Jesus, we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit, who, as Peter says, makes us partakers of of the divine nature. But what does it mean to be a partaker of the divine nature? And what does the divine nature even look like? Well, let me read from 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. Peter says this, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith excellence, to excellence knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly affection, and to brotherly affection, unselfish love. For if these things are really yours and are continually increasing, they will keep you from becoming ineffective and unproductive in your pursuit of knowing our Lord Jesus Christ more intimately." The whole purpose of this section in 2 Peter chapter 1 is that we might live out the divine nature God has given to us by the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that we may become both effective and productive in knowing Jesus Christ more. Also, I want to say this. The process of sanctification, the, the process of growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ isn't a passive process for Christians. God doesn't simply download his character into you. Uh, in, in many ways, you and I play a role in our spiritual growth as well. If you're a Christian and you're dealing with sin and, and you're waiting for God to take care of it for you, wondering why God isn't getting rid of the sin that you're dealing with, then you have a misunderstanding of how God desires to transform us into the image of his son. Sanctification and growth is the Holy Spirit working in us as we actively yield to his leading. So what Peter is about to explain in the next few verses are actions we need to take to live a life pleasing to God today. And also, I want to say this, only a believer who has put his faith or her faith in Jesus has the ability to accomplish what Peter is sharing with us. It's faith that makes Christians different from the rest of the world. And notice Peter says, add these things to your faith. Supplement your faith with these actions. So here they are. First, add to your faith excellence. Or, or some translations might say virtue. The idea is that a Christian should strive constantly to display a character that's worthy of praise. 
Your community, as you minister and serve and interact with the people around you, should see something different in you. Another thing that you should add to your faith, as Peter says, is knowledge. And, and Peter isn't talking about book knowledge here. He's, he's talking about spiritual wisdom that comes through the Holy Spirit as a person interacts with the Word of God. Spiritual wisdom is much more valuable, everybody, than a college degree or a university degree. It's wisdom that comes as we listen and respond to the Holy Spirit as we read the Word of God. And and here's another important one for the age that we live in. Add to your faith self-control. God has given us passions, and and passions are normal. Uh, But passions run amok can ruin your life. It's the duty of a Christian to practice the spiritual discipline of self-control. And notice, remember, I said we're not passive in the act of sanctification. God wants us to practice the discipline of self, self-control. It, it, and it doesn't come naturally. The flesh wants to embrace all fleshly desires. But the Spirit says, control those desires or they'll control you. Here's another one. Add to your faith perseverance, or some translations might say steadfastness. This means God's desire for his people is that they would be resilient and patient. Peter is saying, don't give up. You know, God never promised that a Christian life was going to be easy and and, and you'd coast right to heaven. Instead, we know that the Christian life can be difficult. And so Peter is saying, don't give up, don't quit. Instead, persevere. Stay in the good fight. Add to your faith godliness, Peter says. Godliness for a Christian today means to show reverence or obedience to God. We we live in an age where reverence and obedience to anything is looked down upon. But God calls us to a higher standard. And, And let me say this. When you show reverence and obedience to God, you're admitting something. You're admitting that he's the creator and we are the created. And finally, let me say this. Add to your faith brotherly affection. In the Greek, it's the city I live in, everybody, Philadelphia. One commentator put it this way, brotherly kindness involves bearing one another's burdens and so fulfilling the law of Christ. It means guarding that spirit given unity from destruction by gossip, prejudice, narrowness, and the refusal to accept a brother Christian who is what he is in Christ. Folks, show brotherly and sisterly affection to one another. So what does divine nature look like as Peter is talking about it here, that we become partakers of the divine nature? It looks like someone who strives to add to their faith a character worthy of praise, one who seeks godly wisdom, practices self-control in an age that says do whatever you want, remains faithful to the Lord even when life isn't going as planned, and shows reverence and obedience to God while building one another up. It's a beautiful picture of what a Christian life should be. But let me remind you, that's what like perfection looks like. This isn't an easy task, my friends. In fact, for a Christian, and I'll be the first to admit it, it's a lifelong process as God works in us and through us. As we grow and learn to yield our lives to the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and all with this one goal in mind, as Peter says, to grow deeper in our relationship with Jesus Christ.
Now, Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life and ministry of Holocaust survivor Svi Kalisher. Recently, I found work in a Jerusalem hospital as a handyman. The day after I started working there, something happened that was a clear sign of the Lord's guidance. When I walked into one of the wards, I saw a Polish Jew, a man about 50 years old, who had been in Israel for 35 years. He was in critical condition. I felt led to witness to him. The man told me the tragic story of how his family had been killed during the Arab pogrom in 1930 in Hebron. When my family perished, he said, I was left alone, a, a teenage boy. I soon got into bad company with a gang of Arabs who smuggled morphine across the border. It was risky work, but they paid me well. In a short time, I became addicted to the dope I was smuggling and would do anything to get it. My companions took advantage of this and sent me to the most dangerous assignments, mostly to Egypt and Lebanon. Only one day the British police caught me and I was imprisoned for a year, desperately sick and craving morphine. After my release from prison, I had nowhere to go, so I returned to my old gang in Jaffa. They received me gladly and assigned me a new job. They bought camels from Bedouins and instructed me to drive the animals across the border into Egypt. At first, I could not understand why they were doing this. But I soon learned the reason. They were inserting in each camel's stomach fifteen bottles of morphine worth about $4,500. The cost of a camel was only about $25 to $30. When I took the camels to Egypt, their Egyptian partner would pay the high price of the morphine and kill the poor animals right away. By now, I had enough money to indulge my vice. But I was caught again and handed over to a British court in Jerusalem. The judge was Jewish. I confessed everything and told them about my partners in crime. He sentenced me to three years in prison. Altogether, I've spent ten years in prison. And now I am on my deathbed, and no one cares to speak to me to relieve my anxious soul. You are the first person to listen. I told him that I believed in the living God, the judge of the living and the dead, and that because he loves us, he sent his only son to save sinners like us. All of a sudden he began crying and said, I'm unworthy of anyone telling me about God and his salvation. I told him Christ died for sinners, that they may have eternal life. It's up to you to receive the Lord Jesus as your Savior, so that you may have that eternal life. This may be your last opportunity. He then said, Please pray for me, which I did. Then he looked at me and said, Now I am ready to receive the Lord. He was very weak, but I was sure that he truly believed. I asked, do you believe that Jesus is your Savior? In a soft voice, he answered, yes, and I'm ready to be with the Lord Jesus. I am no longer afraid because I will go home to him. When I said goodbye, his last words to me were, you saved my life. The next morning I was told that my friend had gone to his eternal home.
I want to remind you to visit foiradio.org to purchase Elwood McQuaid's book, Second Peter, Standing Fast in the Last Days. You can go to foiradio.org or contact our listener line at 888-343-6940. Again, that's 888-343-6940. Our host and teacher is Chris Katolka. Today's program was produced by Tom Gallione, co-written by Sarah Fern, Mike Kellogg read Apples of Gold, and our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong. I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people.